The episode you are about to hear contains explicit words. The opinions within are those of the hosts and in no way imply that anyone listening to this podcast agrees with anything we say. Please send complaints to thisflippinpodcast at gmail.com. You're listening to This Flippin' Podcast, episode 111, special guest, Rachel Bess. Enjoy. When I'm a human fly, I, I spend it in a while. I, I say buh, 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 and it's just because I'm a human fly, and I don't know why I got Get my levels. I have your levels. I'm not professional. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither, so this should go. Yeah. <laughs> should go swimming. All right. Well, we're going to dive in because you're a very busy person. Um, and uh, so I'm, I'm super excited to have you on. I will say, like, I listened to um, the Backbox Pinball Podcast with Lauren. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to give her a shout because um, it was episode 23, if, and Lauren and Rachel had a great, great episode. And I feel like I, I love I love Lauren's podcast because I just think, well, one, I just think she's a very real person. She does a great job with the podcast, but unfortunately, she has a lot of people on that I would love to talk to. And I'm like, I just, I'm not going to have a better interview than she has had. <laughs> so it's like, it's super intimidating. And I think, you know, one of the things with podcasts is like, um, you know, how do you create new content? Because there are so many podcasts now and I don't like being redundant because I don't see the point. Um, but now that we're coming out of uh, COVID and the world's kind of changed. I think it's kind of time to um, like refocus like how we use our podcast. And one of the things that I think we can do is like reach out to uh, operators and friends and kind of see like what people have done during COVID and how it's affected them, but also with coming out of COVID, like what people are looking forward to. Yeah, absolutely. COVID sucked for everybody. I yeah. mean, there was no there was no real upside to that, I don't think, for any of us. Um, it was rough. We were shut for a long time. We rented games out as a way to kind of cover basic bills. But we also didn't know um, how long we were going to be shut down. So yeah. you don't know, like, do I want to have my entire inventory out somewhere around the valley? You know, I don't have like a, a giant box truck. We've got a pickup truck so yeah. it's not like it's not easy to to transport all these so um we did do that i'll say that coming out of it has been has been fantastic people um are really ready to come out again a lot of people um you know it's been nice to see people obviously you haven't seen in a year but uh people are just like so excited to do things that they're that there's just like an extra level of excitement around um really every everything that we're doing we're, we're putting on all kinds of tournaments now um i think we were some of the only people in the in the nation to be running tournaments you know, we had like full mask tournaments going on we had every other machine we, we you know we did it as as safe as we could and as much as the liquor board in the state would allow um 
so now we're back to running full regular tournaments. We've got our league going and uh, people are really jazzed about it. Um, I, I don't know that there's anything. Um, that's, that's the upside. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I've, I'm talking to Rachel Bess of the owner operator of the electric bat arcade. You guys now have two locations, if I'm correct, correct. right? You have one mm-hmm. in Tempe, Arizona and one in Flagstaff. Right. Um, I think when you were on Lauren's podcast, I don't know that the second location had opened. No, I think it hadn't. I think because we, we got shut down as we were training employees. Oh, wow. So we were supposed to open, it was either the next day or two days later. And then we got the word from the state that everything is shut down. And um, good that, luck. And you were all set up. I mean, like, we were, were all set up. Go. We were paying all the bills, all of that stuff. So, so that was. So your relationship, like you have a really interesting relationship because you, your arcade, the original electric bat is located in the Yucca Tap Room, which is like a notorious bar in Tempe, right? Yeah. So Yucca Tap Room has been around since 1973. Um, we have only been there the last three years. They knocked down a wall. We went, we're in like what used to be the adjacent space. Um, to Yucca Tap Room. When we originally opened, it was just like a, a long galley arcade. It was really small. I think there was like 13 pins and seven or eight, maybe so, somewhere around there, 10 arc, uh, stand-up arcade games. And then we like tripled the size of it a year later. And um, so our uh, up north location is also, they opened a second Yucca North um, a second Yucca Tap Room location called Yucca North and Flagstaff. And it's in a, a huge music venue, has, will have all kinds of um, large touring bands. And then the arcade is, is integrated into the, into the bar there. Now, does your, is your arcade accessible if the, if you go, is it Yucca or Yucca? Yucca. So, yucca. So if, if Yucca is closed, can you guys be open? Like, do you guys have separate access or are you guys tied so much into them that it's one or the other? In Tempe, we could be open separately from them. Okay. And we did do that a little bit during the shutdown because the liquor licenses were, you know, it was, it was really complicated. Right. Um, but uh, up north, it's, we couldn't, it, it's all kind of the same, the same space. There's no door I can shut. In, in Flagstaff, but in Tempe, we, we can, um, it's, it's like a, you know, a doorway from the bar into, right. into the arcade and it, there wouldn't really be any time. I mean, that bar's open 6am to 2am, yeah. 365 days a year. Right, right, right. There's no time that I want to be there that yeah. they're not open. Yeah. <laughs> um, and your, and your operating background basically stem, like I, I, one of the things that I think is really interesting is I have, I've been in the hobby a while and seeing so many people who are hobbyists who've become operators. Like it's just not something it's, it's something that I've considered just because I have friends who do it and like owning mm-hmm. a bar or something like that would be, you know, kind of a dream situation for me, I guess, as a pinball person. Um, but the fact that so many hobbyists go into operate operating and I know, I think in your situation, you've said that, you know, it was basically like it was a need because you had outgrown, your collection had outgrown your personal space. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I guess like during COVID and, you know, like how has the relationship with being an operator, being a hobbyist, having to deal with 
kind of this business side of it that's not really happening? How did that affect your view of the hobby? Does that make sense? Um, I, Kale and I, my husband, Kale, um, a lot of people know him yeah. from the shows, from working at, at the Marco booth as well. Um, we we did a lot of streaming during um, shutdown, so we tried to stay connected with everybody that way, and pinball was a great way to do that. Yeah. It didn't really affect my view of the hobby. So, so my first route into pinball in public was um, there was a group of four of us that co-founded ZapCon, which is the Phoenix Arcade and pinball convention that was 10 years ago um, and we did that because there was no uh, there were no good places to play on location in the valley there were some bars with some broken machines some amusement parks with some broken machines but there were no arcades since then um, several have popped up but but opening electric bat was also it was part because I had too many machines for my house and storage units yeah. um, but also part because there were there was a, a void in um, in in the Phoenix area for that. So it, it's I mean always being able to share your machines is such a huge part of the hobby. That um, during shutdown, I mean that streaming was the way that we could we could share that. Um, it gave us a lot of time to fix some backlogs of <laughs> issues for machines that we had in storage. Um, but uh, yeah, I, that's that's really how f for me the shutdown affected how I how I feel about the hobby. I mean, the hobby's great. The people are, yeah. are by and large great. Um, the machines are way too heavy. Yeah. That's <laughs> none of that changed. <laughs> I think for, I think for me one of the, I think it was tough for me because I I do a lot I do a lot of different things in the hobby, but the. Um, like as far as playing pinball, like I just like hanging out with friends and playing and I didn't have mm -hmm. that. And so there wasn't really a lot that I, it took me a while to even start playing again at home just because it just didn't feel the same. Um, I see. And I think that, you know, like the more kind of tentacles you put out in the hobby, it kind of changes the hobby for you because it's no longer just a hobby. It's no longer like there's a big difference between somebody who goes on location and just drops a quarter and plays a game and complains about, oh, this game isn't working to, you know, somebody who um, might do a podcast or might, you know, like in my case, like I have a business where it's like, you know, I've been making rails for 15 years. And then when COVID hit and I couldn't buy material anymore, like that was, it was just depressing, you know? So it's kind of like... It was depressing for us whenever I saw your post that you, you shut down because you can't get wood. It's, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it was just such, it was such a roller coaster, but I think it's, it's because the, the hobby of pinball becomes more integrated into your life. Like, you know, like I could see where, um, as an operator, like not having that outlet of, getting to hang out, like you've created a space, you were in the middle of creating a new space, you know? Mm -hmm. So the fact that you were less affected by that, I guess, I mean, I'm sure like there were, I mean, we all had really tough times. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I, I think that that's just kind of where I was going with that. I know that like with the rail stuff, it really like, uh, I think I was like at my, I was at my kitchen table and I was like crying or something. And my wife was like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, I can't make rails anymore. I was like, I cannot, I have no material. 
And she was just like, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, like she felt bad, but it was just like, it was just this feeling of like, this is just something that I do. Like I was losing a part of myself and, mm-hmm. you know, especially like, you know, I know other people who operate and I think it's, it was just really difficult because it's so consuming, you know, because it is, it's like, you're always, you're all, there's always an expectation that you're going to get a call. Something's going to go down. There's always, you know, something's got to get fixed. It becomes, um, people who don't, people who don't get that deep in the hobby, I don't necessarily think appreciate the fact that pinball kind of changes for you in a lot of ways. But I think it's great that it sounds like you guys were able to roll into another outlet. Yeah. I mean, and I, there was, Honestly, there's just so many things that everybody, us, ourselves included, was thinking about. I was focusing on making paintings for a yeah. lot of that. You know, there's a lot of other things that that I could be doing and and not being at the arcade six, seven days a week. Yeah. Um. You know, working on various stuff. You know, I, I'll I'll take a little break if it's if I know it's going to come back. Which, of course, that was also a big if. We right. you know we didn't know what the what the financial how that was all going to work out, but it 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 sucked, but, but, but the streaming was cool, like talking to everybody. And then that was neat because you got to talk to all of our friends all over, right? They they were playing pinball with us, um, watching me beat the pants off kale every weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Do you, not always, but do you have games at home? We do. Yeah. How many games do you have at home? Uh, right now, four, four games at home right now. How many games do you have on location at, um, I guess both locations, right? At the um, original pinball machines, I think about yeah. 50. 50 total? Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and do you, I think I, I think I read this somewhere. Do you share, like, do you have other people who have games at your locations or are they all your games? Like, are you just so I operating? have, I have the majority of games, yeah. but I have a friend, um, Mark Pearson. Some people know him from the tournament um, circuit. He has some of the pinball machines in electric bat and then i have another friend named chewy who has we have a couple of the japanese rhythm games mm-hmm. we have four of those right now and those are his um everything else is mine now are you still else. doing work with marco specialties no no that that ended a, a several years ago okay um yeah the the that's a lot of time. Yeah. Well, when I was, I was still, when I was still working with them, I was on the road. Um, I think the last year I worked with them, I did 16 shows. Yeah. Um, so each show figures five days of plus traveling. And then also I was flying home in between that running the arcade, going in and just doing, um, you know, fixing machines, then going back on the road for a few days. Then Marco is based in South Carolina, which is where Kale used to live. Yep. So we got married in that time also. So I was I was living in Arizona, had an arcade in Arizona, had a job in South Carolina and all over the country and a husband in South Carolina. And it was just, my life was just an airport blur. <laughs> so, so now that we're both here in Phoenix, yeah. um, it was, that was... That I would never recommend anybody do that. Now, did that did that happen basically at the same time as the second location opening up, or was it prior to that? No, no, no. The second location opened. We, we talked about the second location opening, um, knowing that Kale and I were going to be moving out here. So okay. there was no way because that's actually two to two and a half hours away from from Phoenix. So we make that drive 
um, at least once a week, about once a week and go up there and, and work on those machines, make sure everything stays, stays golden. And, uh, so that, that in combination with all the, the airplane stuff just wouldn't have, yeah. wouldn't have been doable. So what, so, so the operating scene, like what is, um, I guess you obviously run a lot of tournaments and stuff. Like, are you guys a coin drop location, coin drop, coin drop mm-hmm. location? And so, I mean, the, you host tournaments and all that stuff. Like, do you have just a regular, I mean, I guess I'm not an operator, so I think it's always interesting to hear like, what operators do to bring in business. Um, I assume at this point you guys have been around long enough that you have like your locals and yeah, we're lucky. Phoenix, the Phoenix area is, I think right now the, the biggest scene in the country. I mean, even if everywhere in the Northwest was to open up right like today, last week there were six tournaments in seven days at five locations wow. I think, four or five locations and that's not even all of them like there's just we hear about people opening up new arcades every week right now i um i want to say that there are like 40 different places you can play pinball in the phoenix area i mean it's just it's insane it, and that all happened like within the last do you think it was the success of your location that kind of spawned that um, I think that people were ready for it. Okay. There was a pretty good tight knit arcade scene here before arcades open, like just between collectors. Um, so then Cobra arcade was really the first one to open up and it took him a long time. It took him, you know, we were talking to him about it for four years before it finally all the paperwork and all that sort of stuff went through. And then we opened up not too long after Cobra. And then it just started dominoes. All of our friends, everybody has the same problem of I have way too many machines. I have a lot of really nice machines. I'd like to share them and I would like to quit my day job. (laughs) So all of those things together just makes for more and more people to, you know, open up arcades. And right now there seems to be enough people to support them. Phoenix is geographically really big, has a fairly large population. Um, So for us, we have our regulars and they they certainly travel around to to various arcades but then also because we're attached to a bar that is also a venue and we have shows right now shows have come back so we've got shows maybe four to five nights a week including like open mic type things and each of those brings a whole different crowd of people. So those people all come in and like, oh, dang, this is awesome. And then they come back. So it's just as sort of the snowballing effect of, of people that get excited to, to be in the arcade and, and play the game. So. And, and most of the operators, so the, the arcades that are like, it's not an operator going into an existing location. It's actually the creation of a location. Right. Correct. Okay. Most for the most part, barcades. A few okay. are, you know, arcades without bars, but almost all of them are that I'm thinking of are are barcades of some sort. So, at what point, I, you could speak from experience or from experiences you know about. Like, at what point did people feel comfortable enough to do that? I mean, you know, it's like the point you having a couple games on location to leaving your day job to run a place or open a place seems like a, a really big leap. big leap, right? Yeah. Um, I only know of a, f- like a-, a lot of the places that are open that people can play pins on location are people operating, um, of the, 
of the places that are just forget the day job. This is what I'm doing. I mean, there's a handful. I can think of maybe six or seven people um, that did it. There, there's not a lot to lose, right? Like, right. I guess unless you have some huge, like, amazing, like, if you love your day job and it pays a ton, then, like, I guess that's a decision. But I think most of these people were were not in that position. Yeah. And my day job before this, um, like, I started working at Marco because I had so many repair bills. Yeah. <laughs> and I got price, you know, I got I got employee discounts and, and that all just kind of worked out really nicely. But my day job has always been, um, I, I, I taught, I taught art for eight years, I think. And then when I was 27 or 28, ever since then, I've just been a full-time painter. So I could still do my day job. This wasn't really going to affect it other than I had to, you know, watch my time a little bit differently. Yeah. But, um, that's, you know, I don't have any kids. I don't have, Man. I don't have a lot of responsibilities to, kids you know, that I'm, the, that I'm really worried about. Kids are the worst. Um. I'm going to tell you. Like, <laughs> that's what I hear. <laughs> I, Somebody asked me at, at a tournament we were at this weekend, like, you know, how do you, <laughs> How do you have all those machines? It's that I have no children. Like, oh, yeah. think about how much you spend on your kids oh, every month. Like, I don't, I don't have that expense. Well, so I, I just like talked to my kids before I came down. I'm like, look, I'm doing an interview at two. Can you not start? Well, well, first I have a 15 year old, and I'm like, please do your laundry. Please do your laundry. And then I had to go up and go, please don't do your laundry right now while I'm doing an interview because <laughs> you could hear it in the background. Um, but no, I. I, I do have, I have a lot of friends who have incredible collections and I will say that the majority of them do not have children. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like, man, but. I mean, I feel like I spend the same amount of time and money on yeah. pinball that most parents spend on, on kids, right? I'm in there like fixing stuff, trying to make it do what it's, <laughs> what kids, it needs to be doing. Are, kids are ridiculously expensive. I, uh, yeah, kids are ridiculously expensive. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> now, now, I'm now I've like went back to my deep, dark depression. No, um, no but I, I, I have to say, like, um, you mentioned being a painter and your work is incredible. And I had like Thank it you. was mentioned on the podcast you did with Lauren. And I didn't I didn't. I should have done a little more research because I have an art background. And so um, when I saw your work on Facebook, finally, I was just I was completely blown away. So. When Rachel, yeah, when Rachel describes herself as a painter, it's like classical. I mean, like your work. I mean, what would you describe your work? I mean, your painting style is very classic. Uh, yeah, figurative. It's it's very realistic oil painting. Yeah, of usually people, usually kind of dark. Um, yeah, you can check out my Instagram at Rachel Bess Art. <laughs> where did you um and where did you study, or were you uh, self taught? My, no, I, well, both, but I, I do have a degree in, in painting from, uh, from ASU of all places, noted art school, Arizona State University. <laughs> and, and where did you teach? <laughs> uh, I taught at, at an arts school called New School for the Arts. Okay. Mm -hmm. Where, where is that? If Tempe. It is? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so like during, during COVID, like you got back to more painting? I mean, did you just, you had more time. So did you find yourself able to get back into it more or were you, have you yeah. always just done that? You've always, I mean, I've like, always it, like, 
I mean, you as someone who makes things knows, like if you, if you get, if you spend too much time not making stuff, you start to go crazy and you're not as fun to be around. Yeah. Um, so, so it's always a battle of trying to make sure that I, that I make the time to do those things. Cause there is important to me both to make me feel good, but also, you know, so my husband will enjoy my company and you know, there's, there's a myriad of reasons why you need to, why those things need to be done. So yeah, COVID, COVID gave me a, a little bit of time to focus on that when I wasn't trying to figure out how to, you know, keep businesses running. Um, yeah. Um, do you how do we get you some wood? Um, well, I have no idea. I found, I like, I, I found some at, I found some at one point. So what was really interesting is I, you know, I have a pin side thread and that's basically where I generate most of my, my business. And so mm-hmm. I posted on there that I was closed. I continue to take work because I would go out and I would search local spots where I could find material. And so I was able to like fulfill the orders, but if I was fully open, I would just, I hate saying no to work. Sure. Because one, it's like, I mean, it was, it was great because I had a lot of work because people were home because of COVID, but I had so much work, I couldn't keep up, nor could I keep material. And, you know, getting wood right now is just impossible and it's gotten really expensive if you can get it. Um, but I was able to find some at one point and during the summer I generally shut down anyways because the humidity where I am is just too much. So that's kind of, I'm, I, that's where I'm, at, I'm right now. Like I fulfilled all my orders Mm-hmm. I've been closed for six months. I've been closed. So um, so hopefully by the time the fall comes back around, I'll be able to get more material. So I kind of like may not skip a beat, but... Okay. You know, but at the same time, it's like I've been doing Rails for 15 years and my background is fine art and I I like making other things, you know? Mm-hmm. So taking a break from making Rails, I it's not awful, when it's you like, can make other stuff. When I, I can make other stuff. When it's my choice. When mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I can't find any more wood. And people are just like, I want rails, I want rails. Because everybody's home and wanting to do the restorations they've been sitting on for the last two years. Yep. Um, that, was, that was tough. But I think, I've, I think I've satisfied almost everybody. I still get like, please, begging, please. I'm in the middle. So, you know, I get like that. I'm in the middle of a restoration my play field just got here. I need some rails. And I'm like, the humidity in central Virginia is at 90% right now. <laughs> it's not, it's not that high today, but it's like, I can't spray lacquer. Like, you I, know, like with, with paint, I mean, mm-hmm. it's like stuff needs, like there's different paints work differently And lacquer. If it's above 70 degree, 70% humidity, it doesn't work. It like, what happens? Does it get, um, like, Bub like orange peely or does it get like no, just sticky? No, so it takes longer to dry, but if you um like if you spray black lacquer when the humidity is too high, it will it'll look milky. Oh and so okay. because it traps because lacquer dries so quickly, it will trap the moisture in the air underneath your underneath the layer. So it's almost like between the pigment and the clear, it gets this milkiness. And once you get that, you can't, you can't get, get it you out. can't get rid of it. So you have to sand it back out. Um, yeah. So, so the same thing happens whenever you're varnishing oil paintings if they don't dry yeah. completely before you do get like they call it bloom for an oil paint. Okay. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Same kind of thing. Yeah. So, 
um, I had an issue. I had a set of rails. And so I'm like a farmer. Like I watch the humidity. Like I have like tracking apps, which will tell me if the humidity is correct for spraying. So I had this one. I'm, I'm like, I had this one set of rails I needed to get done for somebody. And I'm, I'm watching the tracking app and it like, it dipped down to like, it said it was down to 50%. And I have a humidity sensor in my, in my shop. So I went out there and I was like, oh, I've got like a five minute window to spray. And so I sprayed and it blushed or yeah, it blushed. Um, And so I was like, okay, sanded it all back down. But so what I figured my trick was this, I would, I had another window. So basically I couldn't let them dry in my shop. So I would spray it. And then my daughter would open up the door. This is why kids are good. See, (laughs) my daughter would open up the door between my shop and the house. And I would come back into the house where it was lower humidity, holding the rail on both sides. So it could dry enough that I would get past the blushing. Wow. Which is like so stupid. That's where I was just like, I... (laughs) You and know, then your house smells like lacquer for my, the next my, two days. And I and I have my I have my respirator on, so I have no idea. Like, yeah. So mm-hmm. then my wife would come home, or she would like be like, "What is going on down there?" And I'm like, I'm standing in the kitchen with the rail, and she's just like, "Okay, you know." She puts up with a lot. She puts. Up with a lot. <laughs> but um, oh, I your first game was Adam's family. Mm-hmm. I have to mention that my first game was Adam's family. Oh, nice. And I yeah, played. Yeah, that's still in the house, too. I, that's not even at the arcade right now. That's, that's the game. I think, you know, I, I go back to like games that I would want back in my lineup. I think Adam's Family um, is the greatest game to introduce somebody to pinball. I still mm-hmm. think so. I think that, like, I, I've commented before on our podcast about um, I, I know you're a fan of Keith Elwin games. Mm-hmm. I am as well. Yep. Um, but one of the things, like, I think what's interesting about like Adam's Family versus like a lot of the Elwin games where it's like um, Adam's family is a great game because it's just like, has those moments of celebration, right? It's like, I think that Pat Lawler, it is like the pinball celebration game because of the little moments that you get. The multi-ball start is like maybe the greatest multi-ball start in pinball. Not Um, maybe it definitely, definitely. Okay. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I think, I think that that's, like I, I know that you get a lot of the new games mm-hmm. and is that like, what do you see? Like as far as like what draws in a customer, like two new games, like, is it for me, it was Adam's family. I saw somebody play that at the arcade in the early nineties. And I was like, I have to go play that game. What yeah, is, I think for us, because that was what, that was also a new game when we were playing in the arcades. Yeah. Um, I see it, it really is theme. Like as much as people like to say, come on, come up with some original themes. Do If somebody is brand new to pinball, they don't know, you know, a shooter rod from a flipper. Theme is the only thing that's going to, that's going to, like that's what's going to draw them in. Like a light show is a light show. And, and those can be amazing. Um, but like if you're if you're if you've had three beers and are walking across the the room, you're gonna you see Rick and Morty you, and hear all of the the callouts. You can identify with that. You're like, oh, I want to see more about what's going on here. Um, Led Zeppelin has yeah. has done crazy well for us, and I didn't I knew it would do well. Um, it, it's the first game to surpass Rick and Morty since Rick and Morty has come out in terms of 
coin drop. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. Um, so, so theme. So I'm interested to see with Mandalorian, I think we should have that next week, um, how, how that will do. I mean, once, once you're dealing with the regular players, um, people that know what to look for and what to do, then, then theme way, obviously way, way less of an issue. Um, they want to do, I mean, Joker poker is also one of our always busy games. Yeah, yeah. Do you have, uh, um, and you host, you said you host tournaments or league. How many nights mm-hmm. a week? Um, our Tuesday night league is every Tuesday night. Uh, we also host a, a few other one-off tournaments. So we have a ping golf tournament once a month, and we have a bounty knockout tournament once a month. So every month we have at least six official tournaments, and then sometimes there's some other stuff added on top of that. Plus, we have a high score competition every month um, where you can win a, a vase. Uh, oh, I've seen the vases. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, or, or, or a more family-friendly prize if, 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 your fam- if uh, that's what you prefer. <laughs> Most people seem to choose the vase. Everybody has so Everybody far. Everybody has chosen the vase. Um, mm-hmm. if, if but we you do go, have other, you know. You can go cool to their prizes. Instagram, Electric Bat Arcade. Um, they have a great Instagram, by the way. And yeah, you can go and check out and you'll know what the vase is that people are choosing over family-friendly prizes. <laughs> have you found that with the IFPA not being active, like you've seen a dip in participation? Or do you think that, um, do you expect a, a growth when that starts back up in August? There were, there was a dip for sure. There were people that said that they didn't really want to compete if it wasn't for points. But then I found that most of those people got bored of not competing and they've started to come back. And especially with the announcement that it's coming back, all these people need to make sure that they're back in practice. So we were getting um, a, a lot more people out. Our, our weekly league, um, last week it was 45 people. Tonight I expect it to be bigger than that. Wow. That's so, pretty. That's pretty impressive. How how do you guys run your league? Like, um, yeah, how do you run your league? It's match play. Um, during during COVID, it was different. It was best game format and all that sort of stuff. But now that that we're out of that, it's five rounds of match play, and then we will have finals at the end of each series. Since we weren't trying to maximize any points. Um, it this week or this series is like a seven week series. So there's weekly prizes, you know, you can win gift cards to the bar and that or tokens, that sort of stuff. And then there'll be bigger prizes for the, the finals for a division and B division at the end of each series. And at the end of the year, this year, we are doing um, the, the electric bat heavyweight belt. So you may have seen, the one from last year on our Instagram, we got it made and we're, we're intending to do it for 2020, but 2020 didn't end so yeah, good. Yeah. So we kept that. We thought we, thought we earned it for staying open. Yeah. <laughs> so, so every once in a while, Kale wears the, the electric bat belt around the house. <laughs> uh, it's pretty great. So we're doing a 2021, you know, heavyweight wrestling belt for, for the champion of, of Tuesday nights from, june onward wow nice that's awesome uh tommy does something he they do a belt in indiana it's like the indiana state champ but it actually i think 
they have something where like you can challenge the current champion and like it rotates around from people, but it's, it's cool to kind of have that. Um, yeah. That kind of like prize that you're working for. Um, yeah, it's cool. It's like, now do you have like inter, um, arcade tournaments or leagues? We don't now, but we're talking about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, since since so many arcades have opened up, we, we're talking about how we can figure that out, how we can have like the electric bat team, you know, all the various arcades can can put together a team, how many people that is, what that looks like. Seems like we would model it after what they're doing in the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. They they seem to do a, a pretty good job with all the, the home and away stuff. Um, so that's in the works, but we, we haven't really finalized how we're going to do that just yet. Is there like a network of operators? Like, do you just know people? I mean, you've, you've, I mean, because of Marco, you've traveled a lot. So uh, you've, Mm -hmm. your, your web of your network is huge, but is there a, if somebody was interested in operating or interested in, or if they are currently an operator, but wanted to kind of get ideas as to how other operators are making it work. Cause you, you guys seem like you're really making it work where you are. The fact that you can sustain so many different arcades, um, yeah, is there is there are there resources that you would suggest that people who are looking into it or are doing it could use to help them? I don't know of any. I mean, yeah. for us, it worked out because we were all kind of friends before we opened arcades. So now, you know, we just happen to be a, a little bit more supportive than other places are, where it's just sort of what might feel like competitive businesses cropping up. So. Um, for us, you know, we had we had group text threads during COVID because we're all in different cities. So different cities had different rules about what you could and couldn't do. And, you know, liquor board came and shut so-and-so down today. Oh, for what? Okay, well, let's go do, you know, we were all trying to help each other through, through all of that. I don't know how, um, how other other places do it. I don't know if you were just an operator and you wanted, if you like moved across the country and wanted to start operating somewhere else, I feel like it, it really helps to know all of the people that are there. So you don't accidentally step on somebody's toes. Yeah. Um, I know that, you know, we all try not have tournaments on top of each other, just, just kind of common courtesy things like that. Um, I wish that there was a better, you know, there's, there's large national organizations yeah. for that sort of thing, but I don't, I don't think that's really what you're asking or particularly helpful in a, in a I, specific way. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think, I, I don't know. I think the idea of like independent opera, I don't, I don't know if that's even the proper term, but like independent operators where I think like back in the day and I don't know, I'm ignorant to it, but my impression is like you had operators where it's like, this is my territory. You don't come in it. It's like really territorial, like nasty stuff happens behind the scenes. Like it seems to me like there's a, there's a new breed of operator who Mm -hmm. is just functioning at a different, maybe friendlier level where Mm -hmm. it is more about like, there's a love of pinball. And that's like your love of pinball led you down the road to where you were like, oh, this is a really good way to share what I have opposed to, hey, pinball is a way that I can make money as an operator because I own, you know, it's like I 
I no longer have cigarette machines out on locations. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's these it's aren't soda machines or rental cars for right. us. Yeah. And there still is stuff. I think I think you said it exactly right. I mean, we still I imagine every city has this, like the old school um I, in our I can think of the ones out here, the the vending companies that I know people that tried to put pinball in, in bars. Um and then but but there was already an operator there. They didn't maybe didn't even necessarily have pinball there, but they did, you know, the, the jukebox or or whatever else. And then that operator will throw a fit and say, no, you can't have this other person there because somehow yeah, it got it gets really territorial and nasty. And and those are the people that tend not to clean their machines or care if they are only standing on three legs and have one button. Um and then there are the people that are, I think, our generation of operators, that they're our personal machines, too. This isn't, I'm not working for somebody else, like cleaning, you know, I care that this thing works, yeah. one, because I enjoy playing it, two, because it's mine. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I think you, you just kind of care about it a little bit more whenever it's, um, the thing that you also do for fun. Do you find like with the, um, the IFPA, the, the state championship series, was that a big driving force behind a lot of the competitive pinball in, in Arizona? I know that it was big here. Like, I feel like a lot of growth happened when the idea of earning points, I mean, like when, yeah. when I started playing in Virginia, there I mean, in Northern Virginia, they had like, they had had a leak for a while, but it, there was an explosion of, of activity once the IFPA started the SES. Um, and there's been pushback like from different places because there's, you know, where does the money funnel and all that stuff? Has there ever been discussions amongst operators, um, about doing something similar to a state championship that would funnel into a bigger thing? Or is that just, that's what we did for the bat, for the electric bat belt because we didn't anticipate IFPA okay. coming back this year at all. So yeah. we set that up before they announced because that was going to be our version of a state championship. Um, and now we've been wondering how it's going to work with so many. Yes. To answer your question. Yes. People really um, get into like, if there's a way that you can, that you can really chart out your progress and rank against other people, then that's, uh, that propels you to, to do more of it. Um, but now if there's going to be tournaments in our area, if you can go to a tournament five nights a week for points, like you're very quickly either going to stop caring about points or like give up everything else in your life. Because I don't, I don't know how that's really going to work. Do you just go to the ones with the most points? If so, so so-and-so could also, you know, a, a less skilled player could just make it up in volume. And, and are we going to see people at the state championship that really just were dedicated, not necessarily, they didn't perform very well, but they really went to every event they could and got enough points to be top 16. Um, I, I don't know. I'm interested to see what will happen. And there's, there's certainly some people that are, you know, Oh, I'm not like, who cares about points? I hate points. Like it really takes the fun out of it. Now it's just for, for you get all sides of it. <laughs> That's me. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel I, like I, th- I th- in Virginia, like our local scene, it was like, if you won our local house league, you would qualify for state, the state finals. Like that mm-hmm. was how few events were happening. And now people are maxing out their events. Like there are, and for me, 
Like I qualified, I think I qualified like the first maybe two years. And then there were just too many events. And I was like, I can't, I can't compete. And I can't compete in enough sanctioned events to ever make it to the finals unless Mm -hmm. I won everything and I'm not going to win everything. Um, yeah, so I kind of like I lost interest because I was like, "What's what's the point?" And when people are at tournaments, like people are there to compete. And so for mm-hmm. me, I'm like, I I like hanging out with all of you guys, but you you're here like you're you're on a different level of seriousness than I am because I want to do well, but I'm not like sweating like, is this going to get me the two points I need to jump right. into that 24 spot or something like that or. Yeah. So oh, I, so-and-so is coming to town. They're bringing their extra 2.14 yeah, points yeah. to the <laughs> Like, I just can't. Weight, yeah. I can't wrap my head around it. And I think because, I mean, going back to why kids suck, it's, you know, it's like I only have a certain amount of time I can play. So, mm-hmm. or I have enough, I have a certain amount of time I can dedicate towards pinball. So, mm-hmm. like, especially with, like, the rails or even, like, the podcast, it's like there's a, you know, there's a point where you're, like, the balance between family and your hobby is just completely out of whack. And I've really Mm -hmm. tried to maintain that. So I have a happy family. And, um, so I think like, I definitely made a decision where I was like, I am not, I don't care about tournaments anymore because it's just not the time I have to spend playing with other people. I want it to be in a more casual environment, you know? So, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think it's I think it's interesting as well because I feel like um not to get too deep into it, but I think you know, one of the things about pinball that was always great was that you could have every walk of life come into an arcade or even my basement and it didn't matter like your background or your politics or anything like that. Um it was just like everybody had a love of pinball. I think like a you know, like with events over the last couple of years, like there's become an awareness as to the divisiveness that we have. And I know that as a person who hosts events in my basement, like I definitely got to a point where I was like, I don't, I don't know that I can just open it up to everybody. Cause I don't know mm-hmm. that I'm comfortable with anybody walking into my house. Does that make sense? Sure. Um, like, have you seen that? As uh, on an operator level, as far as like that type of, I don't know. I don't, I'm not even sure like the, the tension, like social tension or political tension come to bear. Uh, I think with the masking and no masking thing, yeah, we did see a lot of it with people that really felt strongly one way or the other and were very vocal about it. Our position was always, you don't even have to know what I think about it, but you have to wear a mask. Otherwise I get shut down. Yeah. Um, so for us as owners, we, I mean, I think, uh, we, we did see a little bit of that, but I think also people were more, um, accepting of, everybody's viewpoint than I maybe would have expected. Okay. Um, I think, I think I would have expected there to be more vocal. You're an idiot. No, you're an idiot type 
stuff. Um, and we did get some emails and some messages from people saying, as long as you support mask wearing, we will not come to your spot. It's like, okay, well, e even if, you know, regardless of my opinion, um, it's not an option, <laughs> right? It's not, right, there's right. no, as the business owner, I don't, I don't have that choice, even if I wanted to give it, you know, um, but I, th I think some of the other stuff we were at, a, again, we were at another tournament and saw some people that were wearing some shirts that were really um, divergent from Kale and my personal views. And it was, it was funny. It was awesome. It's like, man, all these people are getting along just, you know, blasting each other at pinball. So I do like that. I like that part of it. I like that it's something that we can all um, like come together over. Yeah. But it's also in a business and not in my home. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess, you know, I, I'm trying harder and harder as I get older to be more forget. Like everybody's coming at everything from, you know, 40 or 50 years of their personal experience, which has been different from mine. And so like, man, really try and see it from somebody else's point of view and just not, but mostly because I get too stressed out and worked up and I need to, <laughs> for my own health. <laughs> not, not, so I, I like, that's one of the things that I'm just personally trying to be um, different about, but I, I know what you mean and yeah. it's, it, yeah, it, you, you do see it, but. Um, I mean, I, I, and one of the reasons I asked is because Arizona is like just one of those states where you think about like, there's just a lot of, it, Arizona's in the news. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, we so, are. So it's kind of like, yeah, there's, you know, it's, it's just interesting to think about how that, um, you don't see it a lot. You don't see it a lot in pinball, which is, I think is fortunate. I mean, going to Pinburg and seeing all those people who can are coming mm -hmm. from all walks of life, being able to get together and celebrate pinball and not really have a ton of moments. Mm -hmm. um, but also as much as, as you see Arizona in the news for all of the vote counting and bamboo microscoping yeah. that, that's going on like like that is really not like we don't see that data like that's, oh that's yeah like yeah. 15 people somewhere else yeah. do, doing their weird thing the rest of us are trying to stay in like just trying to stay cool enough to get <laughs> get to, get to lunch <laughs> um well rachel i want to thank you for um hanging out and talking today you are i know you've got a lot going on and um but yeah it's been a pleasure talking to you i've i've We've, we've followed each other on Instagram for a really long mm -hmm. time. And I, I kind of feel like I got to know you through that. I've known Kale. Um, I don't even know, remember how I hooked up with Kale. Like we started chatting at some point, it might've been Instagram. And then I met him. I met Kale in person at Southern fried game room. And I may have met you, mm -hmm. but I just, I didn't well, I think know. we met in maybe Texas. We met in Texas. Yeah. We met in Texas. Um, but I have to say like the Marco people, like, cause I went down to Southern Fry to help with the tournament. And so I was kind of like able to get in when Marco was setting up their mm -hmm. wonderland and, um, <laughs> they were the best. Like the Marco family was just, I, I don't know. It's funny. Like I go back to like when I first got in the hobby and Marco specialties, like was one of the only places you could get parts from, which was great. Right. But then they redid their website, and it was the worst website 
possible for ordering <laughs> pinball parts. <laughs> and so like, there was like, I mean, I remember back like in the forums, like people were just like, what in the world? Like, why did they do that? Like, it is so <laughs> like their search function doesn't work. And so I kind of like, I like turned my back on Marco and, um, and then, you know, yeah, going to shows and like, I will say like, I went to Southern Fried Game Room and I was just like, I met the nicest people possible who were just like, you look really thirsty here, have a water. And I was just like, thank you. Like, it was just, it's just a very welcoming family. Um, so I do have to give a shout out to Marco Specialties because I do think like, um, what they do as far as bringing tons of games to tournaments or to shows and stuff like that. Like it's just an incredible amount of work and knowing that you, you know, you, you guys work with them back in the day. Like, um, yeah, that's where we met. That's where you guys met. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. so I, Oh, I have to say, um, what is the show that you are looking forward to most coming forward? Cause in, in, and this is a good way to wrap it up because in the interview with Lauren, she asked you, what was your favorite show? So I think actually Kayla and I are going to try and get to Southern Fried this oh, you year. Are? It looks like it looks like we might be able to we might be able to swing that. So if you're if you're going to be down there again this is year, is it the end of August? Is it August thirty first or is it? Earlier? I don't remember the exact date. I'm going to Google um, it so we have it. We can. Yeah, we were going to try and fly back to South Carolina, visit you know his family and visit some people out there, and then drive back and time our drive back so that we could hit up Southern Fried because we we both really miss it'll be it'll be a lot of fun for us to be at shows that we're not working all right so Southern Fried Game Room Gaming Expo this year is Friday August 20th to the 22nd okay so mark that on your calendars it it is a great show um it is a great show and I'm yeah I love that show I, I, that's the other thing. Like I'm, I'm so excited about shows coming back. I know that, uh, the Allentown locally, the Allentown show is coming up soon. Um, they did have a show in, Oh, I don't remember where it was, but there has been, Oh, I think it was in Ohio. They had a show recently, but it will, that will Southern fried game room. Is that the first show where like, you know, of that, like big vendors will be attending like Marco. Yeah. I, um, I assume Marco will be there because it's within driving distance for sure. So yeah, I think Southern Fried is the first one that I know of. There there may be others, but that's really kind of pushing the um, you know the timeline of being able to plan the show and have people attend it. So I assume it's the first one. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure you'll hear if I'm wrong. <laughs> um, yeah. So let me know if you decide or if you're able to go down there or any other future shows, because Kale and I would love to get up with you in person again. Oh, man, I would love that. I will have to look at my calendar because I do think my kids school this year starts that following Monday. Mm. Southern Fried Game Room has always been a tough. It's like the I think it's. It was always held the last going back to why kids suck. It goes. um it was always the last week of their school it was held or it was the first week that they went back or something like that. And so this year they moved their school. So I don't know. I'll have to see, but yeah, it would be great to catch up with you guys. Um, so yeah, so tell, so how can people, um, check out? So electric bat arcade on Instagram, electric bat arcade.com electric bat arcade on Facebook, Instagram, 
Um, we're pretty much if you just search for Electric Bat Arcade, and it's just Kale and I running everything. So if you message us, you're either talking to myself or Kale. Um, Kale does most of our social media. Um, so it's it's a small operation, and we're real easy to get in touch with. It's another Irish band, the Dead Kennedys. <laughs> Punk ain't no religious cult Punk means thinking for yourself You ain't hardcore when you spike your hair When a jock still lives in there Nazi punks, Nazi punks, Nazi punks, fuck off. Nazi punks, Nazi punks, Nazi punks, fuck off. Nazi punks, Nazi punks, Nazi punks, fuck off. If you came to fight, get out of here. You ain't no better than the bouncers We ain't trying to be the police When you ain't the cops, it ain't anarchy Nazi punks, Nazi punks, Nazi punks, fuck off Nazi punks, Nazi punks, Nazi punks, fuck off Nazi punks, Nazi punks, Nazi punks, fuck off Fight each other, the police state wins. Stab our back when you trash our halls. And go trash a bank and you got balls. You still think swastikas are cool? The real Nazis run your schools. Coaches, businessmen, and cops in a real fourth wreck, you'd be the first thing to stop. Nazi punks, Nazi punks, Nazi punks, fuck off. Nazi punks, Nazi punks, Nazi punks, fuck off. Nazi punks, Nazi punks, Nazi punks. Fuck off! <laughs> We're the first to go, first to go, first to go, first to go, first to go. 